after further reveal. What's going on, everyone? After further review episode eight, you already know Rye Red, Benny Hanna, Chizzy Chase on the mic from across the pond, kind of, across 81. Well, yo, we're back at it again. We're going to start the show off hot. We're going to start it off right. We got Benny Hanna about to give us the trivia of the day. What you got, Ben? All right, guys. So we're going to start it off with a little different trivia today. We're going to do two truths and a lie, but baseball edition. All right. You guys ready for it? Barry Bonds doing steroids. Truth. That is the truth, but that's not one of the questions. So, number one, Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth both were struck out by a 17-year-old girl in an exhibition game. Two, Nolan Arenado led the majors in defensive war last year with three defensive war. And three, Jim Tomei is the only player to have over 600 home runs and not win an MVP. Where's the lie? Mm. I was literally just looking up Nolan Arenado facts like an hour ago. Of course, I didn't come across this. But, yes, I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado is the lie. Oh, this is tough. I'm going to go with the Jim Tomei is the lie. So Ryan is correct. Damn. Nolan Arenado is a lie. Brian Hayes led the majors in defensive war last year. Oh, classic. Um, and the other two are indeed true. Um, so Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig were struck out by Jackie Mitchell when she was 17 in an exhibition game. She struck both of them out to like lead off the game. Damn. Wonder what she threw. Yeah, I don't know. Nice cutter. Full sinker action. Babe Ruth probably isn't the goat, but that's a separate. Oh, he could have been hammered at this exhibition game though. <laughs> that's a crazy fact where did you pull that from i just i don't know <laughs> some <laughs> rabbit hole yeah i went down a rabbit hole <laughs> so yeah oh, it's fun though my my arenado stats my arenado research from an hour ago came in handy did you guys we me and ryan were talking about just before you guys got chris and pache did you see that? yeah i know i saw that and i saw earlier they were saying he was out of options so i guess he's just gonna ride the bench a little bit and then we'll probably designate him maybe but it's a, not a bad movie it's only 24 and if his bat ever comes up i mean he's he's an elite defender and elite base runner so oh yeah i know that's the only thing that's missing i feel like i mean i don't know if he'll go right to the minors or not chase but Castellanos and Schwarber being out in the field every day is like a defensive liability. And I, I mean, I feel like this guy's better than them to a defense at least. So mm-hmm. there's definitely some opportunity for playing time. Oh, yeah. And especially late innings coming in as a defensive replacement too. And I saw Castellanos has been taking reps at first base now. Like no one asked him to. He just like he and he always has done this too, where he's taken reps at third base just as like a mental thing. And uh, they talked about maybe him playing there last year when Boehm hurt his thumb, sliding into second, but he never actually played third. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So if Castellanos can play for a little bit of first, that gives him some flexibility. And I hope they have enough still offensive production that Peche can be in the lineup. And if he doesn't hit, it's not the worst thing in the world. But if he does hit, it's just a bonus, you know? It's like having a catcher that's mostly defensive and then anything plus that is a bonus. Yeah, it's a low-risk pickup for them with some pretty high upside yeah but he's out of options so if they do want to move him to the minors they're gonna to have to pass him through waivers so kind of somewhat of a risk there but around 
Yeah, he could be one of those guys that has six different teams in the next month. You never know, but he's on the Phillies for right now. So while we're on the topic, um, baseball as we're recording this starts tomorrow, which is absolutely crazy because it feels like we just ended the World Baseball Classic and here we are at the start of the season. I am so fucking excited. Yeah, I'm I'm super ecstatic. It's been nice out this week. It just feels like baseball season's gonna start, and it is. It couldn't be a better time of year. Yeah, minus the injuries to both our respective teams. It's kind of a bummer, but I'm definitely excited for the season, especially coming off the World Baseball Classic high, just riding that into the season. You know, great matchups are coming. We're facing DeGrom in his Rangers debut. So that's the one thing that one big storyline going into the season. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, you know, we'll see. He's actually starting early in the year. So we'll see how this goes, how long he'll go, how effective he is. You know, all the classic DeGrom questions. Classic doing that when he's not with the Mets. Yeah, I know. Could you imagine if he rattles off like 28 starts or something this season? He, he would. That would be a Mets, Mets situation. But no, it's it's exciting. And especially, um, I know both of us, Phillies and Mets, have had, obviously, Mets at Diaz, Phillies at Hoskins, two really key players just get destroyed out. the whole year. For no reason, just knees given out. Yeah. Yeah, and both not pretty much non-contact. Yeah. Could have just happened to anyone. Could have happened to your neighbor walking out to pick up the mail. Instead, it happens to your first baseman and your starting closer. Classic. But I'm really excited for the Mets. I think uh, they have potential for a really great year. I I think for them, it's playoffs. Anything else would be a disappointment. Obviously, World Series would be the goal, but anything happens in the playoffs. So. Yeah. And at least it's just going to be an absolute war. Yeah, top to bottom. The Marlins are going to be a sneaky team this year, I think. They have some players that could just get them into games and, you know, be a pain. Got the reigning Cy Young winner, Alcantara, who's just a monster on the mound. And yes. debuting the hitting champ. Oh, Arias. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a sneaky lineup. That's a little bit of trouble. They have really young pitchers who are going to make it their name this year. So... Yeah, besides the Nationals, every other team is going to be somewhat competitive. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the Nationals. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. As a Phillies fan, I'm super excited coming off last year. I'm looking at their um, over-under wins right now. It's set at 89.5, which seems a little low at first, but just seeing Bryce Harper being out at least half the year, basically the full year off the, off the field, you know, restunned for the season now. Eight and nine and a half seems kind of sketchy. I don't know. I feel like the Phillies are going to have to be a little more scrappier of a team this year if they if they want to win more. Bryson Stott's going to have to obviously play better. Hopefully, playing a full year consistently helps him. Boom. I wouldn't see why he wouldn't play the same, if not improve a little bit. But their starting rotation and bullpen obviously is going to be the the sketchiest part. And when when the hitters go cold, if Schwarber and Castellanos have some over five days with three Ks each, it's not. I don't know. Eight, nine and a half. It seems a little, a little steep. I mean, I, I think yeah. the Phillies should make the playoffs, especially with the extra wild card spot. But I'm, I'm a little nervous for this year coming off the World Series. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the World Series was so unexpected, too. I mean, this time last year, we didn't really know what to expect. And then midway through June, we're, you know, 10 games under 500 or whatever it was, ended up going on a crazy run. But 
Yeah, I'm definitely excited for this year. 89 does seem low overall. I think they were set at 87 last year, so two games above that. But, I mean, considering the Reese injury, they're going to have to probably get some, like, a body here at some point just as, a you know, an extra bat to make up for Harper being out and just guys getting rest and working into the season too. Also, I don't know how true this is, but right now their fifth pitcher for their starting rotation is listed as Bailey Falter. And oh, yeah. he just seems super sketch to me. Like there's just no like he could even yeah. shout any day when he's on the mound. He he scares me. Yeah, he can either go one inning six runs or five innings like two runs, and it's like salvageable, you know, like a bullpen game. But that's another question mark. I kind of thought Andrew Painter might be able to slide into there, but obviously he's dealing with some injury and he's only nineteen, so that's a little high expectations. Yeah, he's I mean, when he comes back, he's still going to be super young, and he's got a bright future. Uh, the Mets, to me, they were set at when I saw 93 and a half last time I looked, and that seemed about right. I mean, they came off a 101-win season last year, which they had an eclipse. Um, the last time they even eclipsed 95 was 2006 before that. Damn. Wow. Yeah, so even their World Series one in 2015, I think they had 89. Um, so I think 95 is probably where I'd put them at. Um, I think that's, for that team, pretty accurate. They have a pretty pretty similar top five in their lineup. Hasn't changed from last year. And obviously they replaced DeGrom with Verlander. So I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. But overall, I think the team, they can just stay off just stay away from injuries um, and get these young guys producing. I mean, they got between Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, and Francisco Alvarez. They have a few guys that are just ready to ready to produce at the MLB level. Um, so we'll see. They're gonna be at. They're gonna be able to close out these games, though. Were you doing the trumpets behind my head? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a bad one. That was too soon. Robertson and probably going to be the guy for a little bit. Oh, Drew Smith could potentially get in there as well. Um, Brooks Raley, right? Brooks Raley, it was a potential option. I think he also got injured, so we'll see. Oh, that. Um, Adovino, but. That probably out of you know would be in certain situations, not in every spot. They'll piece it together and hopefully, because we don't we don't want to have to use Verlander and Scherzer eight innings every every game, and then by August they're both just done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I feel like got a combined age of like eighty. <laughs> yeah, is that the oldest starting duo in uh, the majors for starting pitchers? And I feel like it has to it's be. Gotta be. There's no like. There's no 47-year-old Jamie Moyer pitching right now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I wonder what the youngest rotation is versus, like, I guess the Mets, since they might be the oldest. It's got to be, like, the, the uh, athletics. I can't oh, yeah. two players on that team. Can you? Kyle Muller, because he just got traded there. Who? Kyle Muller. Oh, yeah. Ruiz. The pitcher. <clears throat> on my fantasy team. Oh, yeah, Ruiz. Um... But I mean, the other Max Monsey. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Tony Kemp. Yeah, Tony. Oh, yeah, Tony Kemp. He might be the oldest guy on their team. He might be. That team spent like 
five million dollars all year. That's amazing. Not to mention, speaking of low money, the Reds. I saw Ken Griffey Jr. is the fourth highest paid player this year for the Reds. Yeah, I didn't know he had a deferred contract like that. Everyone does. Like some of these guys do. They just shit on the Mets all the time for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty sure when Scherzer signed with the Nationals, he has a deferred contract. The Nationals do that a lot. I think that's why Harper didn't want to. Yeah. Makes sense. Plus, they suck. Yeah. One of the things I was looking at is some potential milestones upcoming this year for certain players. So a few I came across, um, Verlander is six wins away from 250. Um, Kershaw is three wins away from 200. Zach Greinke only needs 118 strikeouts to get to 3,000. Oh. He only had 73 last year. Yeah, that's an uphill battle. That's a little sketchy. <laughs> he might get on a run here. Yeah. Um, Stanton's, a 200, Stanton's 22 home runs away from 400. He can maybe get that. And Altuve, Freeman, and Andrus are all within 100 hits from 2000. Wow. That's crazy. That makes me feel old. Andrus is actually only three away. Are there any over-unders you guys saw that you're like, oh, that's way too high, way too low? Uh, I thought the Orioles over-under was a little low, considering. Yeah, that looks like. Yeah, it's 76 and a half-ish, 77 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would definitely not put Boston above them. Yeah, no, I don't see that either. to me, has the potential to lose 100 games this year. Yeah, I mean. They could actually lose 100. They're trying out Corey Kluber as their opening day starter. Yeah. The Orioles have Kyle Gibson as their opening day starter, (laughs) so that's not much. I'm not making an argument for them either, but, I mean. Two has-beens and who's he wants it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the A's at 59 and a half was actually way too high. <laughs> they could be one of those 41, 42 teams. I, they could potentially be one of the worst teams <clears throat> ever to play in the majors. I just – I think they're going to be bad. This they is, don't have this a lot. Is not your, it's not your dad's money ball A's. It almost feels like they're tank or super tanking their way out to just have an argument for Vegas. It's just ever since they never signed Kyler Murray, it's just been downhill. Oh yeah. The biggest that's a big what if. If he would have actually played baseball. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Whatever happened with that because they lost their pick, obviously. Yeah, and he was like the ninth pick. <laughs> they got a it's basically the same thing as the Mets when they didn't sign Rocker. They got like a first round protect or a first compensatory yeah that's higher still kind of like not great though no no i feel like it was just bad on their part to draft him knowing he probably wasn't going to sign anyways yeah i mean there was a lot of risk and they definitely didn't do their research and knowing if they would be able to get him at that spot yeah Uh, the other one to me I thought it was the Twins that were 84 and a half. I think they could be, they could win that division. And I, so I think that team should be improved, and especially with Lopez now. They got Correa back. Obviously, they lose a, a Reyes, but I think that Twins team could um, win that division. I mean, between the White Sox and the Guardians, they're all within like two games and they're projected. So. Yeah. Yeah, they just have to stay healthy. Just real quick, the Cardinals are listed at 88 and a half. Smash the over. After further review, pick number three for me, 
over 88 and a half St. Louis Cardinals wins for the year. <laughs> hot up nowhere. I like, I like it. It's those bets are tough just because you have to wait like eight months for them to be done. But oh yeah. <laughs> I'm putting it on the sheet. We're gonna we're gonna be I'm gonna be following the Cardinals now. I like it. You know what? I'll lock in my under 59 and a half for the eight. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, all right, Chase. You gotta hop on the train now. Who you um, on one team? You all right, let me let me look over. You can you can wait till the I end. brought up the Orioles, but I don't know if I want that to be my pick. They could really like not do hot. Yeah, I just think that A's team, I I just can't harp on it enough. I think they're so garbage. Yeah, they're they're a triple A team at best. They've sold off all of their pieces over the last two off seasons. And they're really just banking on guys. And one of those guys was Christian Pache, who's now on the Phillies. So that was a big, big whiff on their part from the Matt Olson trade. Yeah, let's take let's take a look at their uh potential starting lineup here. Okay. So we got Tony Kemp leading this, off. This is an early rabbit hole. We're going down by the way. <laughs> we got um sorry. Tony Kemp leading off. Uh Ald- Almades Diaz second playing short. Uh Seth Brown batting third. Jesus Aguilar in the cleanup spot. Oh gosh. Jace Peterson fifth. Ramon Liriano sixth, Ryan Noda seventh, Shay Langeliers eighth, and then Astoria Ruiz ninth. And no one last year had an average above 248. (laughs) That's that's pretty rough. So, anyway, that's some tough uphill battles. Put the dirt on that hole. Yeah. Can we talk about our predictions for Cy Youngs and MVPs now? Yeah, we can do that. I've been excited for this. Cause... All right, let's hear it. You got... all right? What are we? What are we hitting first? You want to go? Let's go NL MVP. Let's do NL MVP. NL MVP. Okay. All right, NL, NL MVP. Yeah. You want to hear it? I want to hear it. Nolan Arenado. Yes, you heard. Oh my it. gosh. It goes with your Cardinals pick. Goes with my Cardinals pick. Paulie Goldschmidt won it last year, and Arenado's numbers were. I mean, they were a little down he was from. Second. Yeah, but they who was like just under. Goldschmidt and I think the Cardinals are going to destroy they're going to win the division and this year instead of Goldschmidt being the number one player on the team it's going to be Arenado and I think it's a pretty it's not a safe pick obviously because anything can happen but I mean just looking at the numbers you have odds on that uh, I do not have current odds because that's just a prediction it's not a pick on Arenado yeah okay uh... top couple I don't think He's at plus twelve hundred, so he's yeah. sixth. Yeah, see, I'm 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 proud yeah. of my pick. Oh, I like it. That's a good pick. I like it. You want to just hit AL MVP right now? Yeah, let's hit both. Shohei Otani, man was robbed last year. I don't care how many home runs Aaron Judge hit. I agree. It was robbed. We're we're already going down this path. We're already hear people saying like, oh, because he pitches and bats, he should win them all. Well, first off, he's only won one MVP. LeBron gets the argument all the time that he could win every year, but at least he has like three or four MVPs. I think LeBron has four. Mm-hmm. Shohei only has one. He should have had two last year. He didn't. He got snubbed. This year, he's bringing home the MVP back to Los Angeles and a sneaky playoff berth as well for his squad. That's my oh. Favorite. Is that an LA Angels to make the playoffs? No, that's no, there's no, this is just all predictions. Okay, sorry. okay. It's just all predictions besides the Cardinals over wins. I like it. Over under 198 and a half strikeouts for Otani. 
under. Okay. He's going to do more work with the bat. It's just the pitching is is an insane bonus. Like, All right, I'll do my picks is. real quick. So for my NL MVP, I'm going homer status, and I'm going with Trey Turner. I'm pretty sure he's like third or fourth odds, like plus 100, 1,100. Yeah, he's uh... – Fifth. Yeah, so he's right there. Fifth. Yeah, I like it. And then on my AL side, a little bit further down, plus 1,500, Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. I feel like he's going to be a sneaky pick. I don't know if he hits like 35 home runs, gets on base a lot. He's been right No there. one's going to vote for him, but I'm voting for him. <laughs> he's, he's an underrated player as much as he's done. He's... Yeah, he's a sneaky switch hitter. You never think of him as that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little beefy, a little chunk at third putting in the work he's like what he's like what pablo sandoval could have been if he just put the sandwich down pablo sandoval. now he's just destroying catchers in the mexican league oh yeah he should just he should have tried out for the nfl he could be a fullback <laughs> all right ben who are your who do you got mvps what we got all right so nl mvp i got soto he's the favorite oh yeah i just think the oblique i think do you have oblique injury or going but um, I think he's gonna mash in San Diego. He had like a six war last year, and he was like one of the worst defensive outfielders in the league. So he should mm. definitely improve on that. My AL MVP is way down there, and it's Byron Buxton at plus four thousand. Oh, he probably won't win it, but if he ever stays healthy for one full season, and I don't think he has yet he should be a top three guy in the AL. He just, his only thing is staying healthy. I mean, he has all the tools and he's had all the tools since he's been in the league. He just, I don't think he's had a season where he has over like 350 at bats. That's crazy. Yeah. He's definitely a five tool player. Yeah. So that's a long shot pick, but I'm going to predict that this is the year he's just going to put it all together and just have that one magical year. And then probably I'll get injured next year. Yeah. Kind of bouncing right off to you to having a magical year. My NL Cy Young this year is my homer pick, Aaron Nola. One, oh, I like two. it. He's due for some run support. He's due to have a, just an overall full consistent year of great pitching. The Phillies looking pretty solid on the offensive side, like I said, to give him the support he's needed. Philly, the Phillies haven't had a Cy Young winner since Roy Howdy in 2010. RIP, that's who the drink's going out to tonight. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I like the pick. I feel like Nola, he's going to be a really good pitcher on a really good team. And the Cy Young for me has kind of been all over the place the last few years. So it's a little up in the air. And I think Nola can bring it home. In the yeah. AL, I'm going with my boy, Shane McClanahan, the lefty specialist. Oh, uh, yeah. I like some lefty specialists. We saw McClanahan in person last year. And as long as the Rays let him pitch and stop pulling him for the <laughs> bullpen, do that. <laughs> as long as they let him pitch, if he's under 100 pitches, put him back out there for another inning because he's a strikeout machine. Yeah, he's let him nasty. cook. He can do it all, and he deserves a Cy Young opportunity, and this is the year. They're going to make him leave like they did with Blake Snell and pull him in a World Series when they get there. And then he's going to oh. Oh, well, we pulled Wheeler, so I kind of feel that pain, too. But the Blake Snell was terrible. Yeah, that was a bad, bad yeah. call. Garrett Cole also not getting put in for the Astros against the Nationals. That was a bad call, too. Also, real quick, before you go to your Cy Young, Chase, I, I'm a big lefty specialist guy, and I 
saw that Chris Sale never won a Cy Young, which I was com- I was a little surprised about. I know he's mm. been kind of injury written the last few seasons, but he was nasty back in his White Sox days. Yeah, he never won a Cy Young. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, that's crazy. He had some freak injuries because he recovered from. Did he have Tommy John? Yeah, I think, and then he broke his hand or something, right? He had a freak injury where he just broke his hand, and then, yikes. He's got that. But I like, the, I like those picks. I like those picks. Thank you. All right, Chase, what you got? Okay, so for my NL Cy Young, I'm also back riding on NOLA, too. Oh, That's a homer pick. I know, a two Nola pick. I'm also in it because he's in a contract here. He's he put off extension talks, so I feel like he's gambling on himself, and I'm definitely gonna ride that gamble with him. And I feel like it's gonna be a two horse race between him and Sandy from the Marlins. I feel like he's also just gonna come out and do his work. And now he's got a little bit more offense behind him. So Sandy, whenever he gave up one or two runs, he was probably gonna lose the game, which was like the cliff. Oh, like Cole Hamels went through that with the Phillies in like 2015. He had like all of his starts gave up one run and they were all losses because he had no offense behind them. So I feel like it's going to be a race between them. My AL Cy Young, I'm going in the AL East as well. Except I'm going with the Northern rival with the Toronto Blue Jays and Alec Manoa. I feel like he's just due for a year where he puts in a lot of work. He's been gambling on himself too. He wants to get that extension. I feel like Toronto's willing to reward him with that. So if he goes out and can dominate, I know it's a, terrible division to try to do that in but McClanahan has the same uphill battle so I feel like they can both do it and it's probably going to be a, a race with between them yeah I like the Manoa pick hopefully he does that for fantasy purposes oh yeah <laughs> yeah well for mine I'm going to stick in the NL East um, but I'm going to go with a little bit of a homer pick myself with Max Scherzer um, I think he knows he let Mets fans down in the playoffs after he was terrible. And so he's got to basically win a Cy Young to get us back after we're paying him like $50 million a year. So I'm going with Scherzer. And then my AL Cy Young is way down there, just like my AL MVP in Pablo Lopez at plus 5,500. I think a move um, from the NL East to AL Central is going to help him. And I think it's just a new environment being close, being not behind Alcantara anymore and not kind of in that shadow. I think he's going to pitch really, really well. well we, we love our predictions here on After Further Review. We're always going to be giving them to him. But um, before we move on to the NBA, Chase Ben, any more MLB hype train before the season starts the next couple of days? Um, I have like two people that I'm like watching that are low on the odds for both things, but. Chaz Chisholm switched positions from second to center field this year. I'm interested to see how he does with that and if he can stay healthy. And also Zach Gallen, I feel like he's been okay for the most part, but I feel like he gets put in the A spot a lot. And I'm wondering if he gets obviously the same thing with the offense argument, if they can put young talent around him and score some runs and be in some of his games. I wonder if his numbers will get a little bit better. Because I feel like sometimes he gets shelled, but it's just because of the position he gets put in. You're going for that. Was that the trade? The the Gallon Chisholm trade? Right? Yeah, yeah. I like that. So I'm like interested to see how both people do at this point in their careers. Like, yeah. you know, get to put it. They're better. They're better positions than they were when they got traded, and now they both have 
pieces they've put in the work and now i mean jazz chisholm was the the cover athlete for mlb the show it's a pretty high praise for someone who didn't really play a whole lot last year but he's a, a he's a personality i mean he really stands out if you just watch his game he dances all the way around the bat base pass when he hits a home run i mean he is fun to watch but he's got to really put it back there now and make it a household name yeah that o'neill cruz kind of gives me those vibes mm-hmm. When you watch him play, I mean, he's got some work to do also. But I was surprised Chisholm was on the cover when I first saw that. But he's a, he's, he is, he's fun to watch, like you said, and he definitely makes games exciting. Um, so th- that's to, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the Angels, kind of what Ryan said yeah. um, about them making the playoffs. Otani's probably not going to be there after this year. And this is kind of their last try, last run. And they got to try to get Trout in the playoffs. I just – I don't think they've done enough in the offseason. I think pitching is going to be their continued issue, especially in that division. Now the Rangers are better. You got the um, Astros that are always going to be tough. And then The Mariners. They're not going to be – Mariners. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to be a cakewalk either. No. And then everyone gets to be DAs. But besides that – Yeah. Do you get your free two, three-game sweeps? Yeah. <laughs> We literally said the same thing. So I just realized how tough that division is for the A's. <laughs> Hammer the under 49 and a half. Yeah, they might. I mean, they're going to get assaulted. Yeah, no, I like those two, though. Gallon and Chisholm. One of the most interesting trades in a while. And Yeah, prospect for prospect. Yeah, that was interesting swap. Yeah, well, and from the start of the MLB coming up, kind of coasting towards the end of the NBA season. And it's the time of year where as a Sixers fan, I'm just ready to get to the playoffs. These last eight to 10 games, just please nobody get hurt. Um, And being hardened kind of been resting here and there with minor soreness and stuff like that. So hoping that we can just go into the playoffs full strength. And I mean, the Knicks first round matchup is possible Ben right now, because the Sixers have been skidding lately. Um, But either way, I'm ex- I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm ready for the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I feel like this is the low point of the NBA season. Right before the playoffs begin, people are just resting on almost every team, unless you're in a race for a position. But yeah, I feel like it's pretty much locked in. Yeah, like you said, I'm not be with baseball starting. The NBA right now took like a back burner, and then you have the play-in games too, which if your team's not in it, you're not paying as much attention necessarily. Um, but I'm I'm really hoping the Knicks don't face the Sixers round one because I think with the Cavs, they have a legitimate shot to win that round. Uh, I do not think they have a legitimate shot if they play the Sixers. Just I don't think they do. I got I got a surprise surprise team for in both leagues, good and two disappointment teams too because it's been a weird regular season. I know we talk about how some guys don't always – you know, put as much in. The trade di- deadline was kind of weird. Win totals all over the place have been down. And so so my surprise team in the West, and I know I've talked about them on a few podcasts now, but the Sacramento Kings, guys, they are literally still in the three-hole. Their starting five is De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and Sabonis. And they are, they are third. It's been a weird year. And they just keep racking up wins, and they're going to have a first-round home court advantage after not making the playoffs for, like, two decades. That's 
that's wild. It's just it's yeah. just crazy to me. And we always talk about the West as a powerhouse, and a lot of teams still scare me in the West, but the win totals aren't there for how scary some of these teams are. And they yeah. just they racked up enough wins and they're they're gonna be in the playoffs, they're avoiding the play in game. And I mean, congrats to them. I know De'Aaron Fox has been balling out hard for years now, so it's it's exciting. It's definitely a team you like to root for. But then in the East, my surprise team is the Nets that have completely not crumbled after Ben Simmons decided to stop playing and they traded away Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Their starting five right now is Dinwiddie, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton's their tiny center. But, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of a scrappy team. And as I stated before, they got like two to three depth in every position that's like a solid role player and I don't know how much they're going to do in the playoffs but like kudos to them for not just completely crumbling in the regular yeah. season after the mess that's happened in that organization the last two seasons yeah it was definitely addition by subtraction for them and they're definitely set up to be a bandwagon team I can see a lot of people hopping on them wanting them to do well but um yeah, yeah also with the Kings too Vlade Divac their former GM did them no help at all he basically bent over backwards and let Sam Hickey had his way with them for a, Oh, I still can't believe the NBA let that trade happen. It was when the Sixers traded Nick Stauskas and they got a first round pick out of it. I, I don't even remember the details. All I remember is that's what happened. And the NBA said, okay, fine. And they let it happen. The Sixers ended up with maybe Okafor. I forget how it all transpired. But um, yeah, they were in. They were basically the Siberia of the NBA. No one wanted to play for them. No one was good for them, and they finally turned around and they're gonna have a first round, like you said, a first round matchup. Yeah, I mean that. My biggest surprise too was the Kings. It's hard not to see that and just be incredibly just surprised. They have not been in any position to even come close to the playoffs recently, and it's cool to see a new team kind of make those strides. Sabonis, I didn't really think much of it. I thought it was just going to be another guy to just waste away in Sacramento, and he didn't. Well, and it'll be interesting to see because they can run the score up on anyone, but playoffs, the defense definitely tightens up a lot, and guys like Sabonis and Fox, he's, I mean, you know, they're not terrible, but the Kings have never been known for their defense, so it's, it's going to be a test. It'll be interesting to see who they match up with that being on the tail end of, um, I guess it's right above the play-in, but there's no the Warriors right now. Oh, yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough <laughs> matchup. You're going against the most game team in the in that division. Yeah. Is Wiggins playing? Doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it kind of does. Wiggins was a really good starter on the championship team last year. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. He hasn't been playing recently. Yeah. But one of the teams I thought was pretty disappointing this year was the Bulls. I thought they were going to be a much better team in the East. Obviously, Ball hasn't played at all for them. I don't know when he's – if he's coming back next year, I guess. Um, but just between DeRozan and Levine and Vucevic, I thought they would at least put up a better win total. And right now they're 10th battling one and a half up on the Wizards. So they might not even – they're borderline playing right now. You know who's uh, borderline playing in the West? Is the Dallas Mavericks. Four-seeded Dallas Mavericks from a year ago. Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving. You know what they did over this past weekend? They went 0-2 against the Charlotte Hornets. 0-2. <laughs> what are they doing? They both played. They're actually now out. 
Yeah, they're not even listed. 11 seed. They're tied with OKC, but OKC has a tiebreaker. Tiebreaker. They're in 10th, and the Mavs are in 11th. What a disappointment, yeah. Mark Cuban. What are you doing down That was there? a whiff to get Kyrie. That was a bad move. Luca was on fire when he did that. Just ruined everything. You said, I think you said it, Chase, when it first. I mean, I know we were all kind of like, eh, but you mentioned how Luca was just having an MVP season. And this could yeah. hurt it. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, he, I think Luca is just the type of guy where it has to be him and like, really good role players but not like a i don't know he doesn't seem to do well with like a really star-studded i mean Kyrie's also just not a good teammate like i think that's just obvious at this point <laughs> like i don't think i'm doing a dishonor by saying that but like i feel like he doesn't really put teammates in a good position to win especially luca who needs that i mean he does best when he has the ball and he can flow with it and i mean you brought in a point guard who's going to take the ball away from him i don't really see that as a good move he should have traded for a center or something yeah, it's a shame. He is like one of the most talented players with the basketball that I've ever seen. Oh, and how old is he? He's so young, Ben. Yeah. I don't know. How old is he? I don't know. You're just obsessed with these. I guys. feel like he's like 23 or something. Like, dude, he turned pro at 15. Like, wait, who are we talking about? Luca. Oh, I, thought, I was talking about Kyrie. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. My bad. I mean, he also went pro My young bad. after playing like two and a half minutes at Duke. Yeah. No, I was just saying how Kyrie, I think, is like one of the most skilled basketball players oh, yeah. you've ever seen. He just, he's, it is clear, like you said, he's not a good teammate and he's not, obviously with Braun, they won, but I don't think he's a winning player. No. Yeah, you know, him just straight up against someone. I mean, he can score on anyone, anytime, any place, blindfolded, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And in the clutch, like he's one of the guys. Yeah, yeah, and my apologies, Ben. I thought you were hyping up Luca again for no reason. I was not. No, Kyrie is maybe the best ball handler. I mean, I don't want to say the best ball handler of all time, but that man, like you chase one on one, it's yeah, it's not fair. Start stop in a tight spot. I mean, he can get past anyone. It doesn't even matter. Like you can have six people, and he can get past all six and score. Like literally, just him. Like I feel like that's gonna be his team. He's just gonna. He's going to leave the NBA, come back as an owner, have a one-person team. It's going to be him. He'll just play every game, say whatever he wants after, too. <laughs> Maybe the Knicks can trade for Doncic and trade, like, Julius Randle and, like, seven first-round picks. Oh, yeah. Just some awful package of, like, nine players. Basically half the roster. Yeah. <laughs> Couple picks, yeah. What What's going to happen <laughs> is in, like, three years, the Mavericks are going to have – a random team with Doncic and a bunch of old, really good guys like they did with Dirk in 2011, and they're going to win one, oh, yeah. and then Doncic is just going to stay there for the next 15 years and never win anything again. Yeah, oh, that seems that seems accurate for the Dallas storyline. I see it. So, like, three years from now, they get, like, a like kind of old DeRozan who can still shoot. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they just munch at the, at the deadline. They just get a bunch of buyout guys. Maybe LeBron comes. Maybe LeBron just is like plays LeBron. half the season, but he's in there with Bronny. But LeBron pays. LeBron will only play the fourth quarter from half the season, but he's there. <laughs> Dude, they would have him on the team too. Yeah, and he'd be making like a ton of money. But I mean, there's, and I don't want to just harp on the Mavs. Ben, your Bulls take was really good. 
all their injuries and stuff, but they still had a lot of good players throughout the year. But the other disappointment for me is the Charlotte Hornets. They had a winning record last season, and I know LaMelo Ball has been out basically the whole year, but they have been trash. They're they're so bad that they're at the point that MJ is, like, trying to sell the team. Yeah. I mean, Terry Rozier has made he, – he makes big money because at one point he had one or two okay seasons in Boston. But, no, he was good. And Gordon Hayward, you know, all-star caliber player, P.J. Washington, Kelly Oubre, their roster's not bad. Yeah. And they just completely have – like, I'm pretty sure they're below the magic at this point. Like, what are you doing yeah. down there? I know. I feel like Miles Bridges was like he was doing well, but I feel like not well enough to make them a winning team. Oh yeah, Miles Bridges though is still out of the league, isn't he? Yeah, I think he had his charges reduced or maybe dropped. Okay. So That's a good point. I did coming to a court near you. Yeah, but I feel like between him and Lamelo Ball, the drop off shouldn't have been that crazy. But, I mean, yeah, no, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I mean, I think the real issue there is that they haven't played James Booknight. <laughs> Probably. That's a take. That's like saying Jalen Smith doesn't get enough minutes with uh, – UConn. It had, like, one really good, uh, like, preseason game. So he could join the Thunder next year and get a ton of minutes. You never know. Get on that Thunder team. He could. Yeah. Yeah, and one well, as we also come towards the end of the NBA season, I do have to pour one out for Dame, Damian Lillard, and oh. as once again they are going to be missing the playoffs. No, you know what, Dame brought Dame, you brought this on yourself. I'm not. I don't feel sorry for you anymore. Jeez. You had you had multiple chances to get out, come here, play with the Sixers, but no, Portland's too good. Portland's got great pizza. You're just saying a bunch of dumb shit about Portland that no one agrees with. <laughs> Hey, I like it because there's not many players left that stay. And in I don't – I mean, I guess at this point it was probably like 2015 or 2016, but they made the Western Conference final. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And they, I mean, they had like a, a worse C.J. McCollum than he is now, and they still had Nurkic. And it's just weird that they – I mean, like just think, thinking about the Kings right now, like why can't the Portland Trailblazers win 45 games? Yeah, the Kings have won 45 games this year, and there should be no reason why the Trailblazers can't with the team they have. And Dame's good enough to carry teams. I mean, in the bubble against the Lakers, Ben's going to be salty to hear this, but the Portland Trailblazers are going to win that series if Dame didn't get hurt. He went <laughs> he went ice cold game one and just destroyed them and won the game. Man, and how many he got things hurt. you could say? Oh, if they didn't get hurt, they could have won. <laughs> okay, no, I know. I don't I don't really like the what ifs. But the point is that the Trailblazers aren't this bad of a team. And I don't know what's going on. Anthony Simons is good. He's a breakout player from last year and he's still popping off. I mean, I just Yeah, they had Jeremy Grant all season, like Yeah. Who's he's like, coming off an all star year? Like Yeah, he was averaging like fifteen and ten, I think, at one point. Dude, Kevin Knox got 32 minutes in their last game. Oh, wow. Is that a career high in minutes? What was that? Was that his career high in minutes? It might be. I mean, their lineup had no Lillard, no Grant, no Simon, no Nurkic. Oh, do you remember on, like, the real bad Sixers team when Thaddeus Young was there and he'd play, like, 48 minutes? Dude, I was mentioning <laughs> Thaddeus Young to Ryan, like, a month ago about how he still just – found a spot in the league and he's still yeah working. dude at one point i'm pretty sure he only sat for the last minute of each quarter 
And other than that, he was playing every single minute. That reminds me when I went to some Sixers games when I was younger. I haven't been any in a long in a while, but I used to remember just Sam, Samuel Dallenbear just going off. <laughs> That's and a I used name. To go down a dang segment of all these old Sixers that he knows the middle names of. <laughs> what is his middle name? I, I don't know, but I know that he <laughs> does. No, but I mean, it, overall, it's been a good NBA season. The fact that the Sixers have played well. I like the spot they're in. If they can hang in to their um, the three seed where they're at, I like their chances first round, and I like their chances beyond that, even without home court. I know Ben. If the Knicks don't get a first round matchup, they they're looking solid, like you said. But I'm super excited for the playoffs. I love the NBA playoffs when you just got like double headers every night of super competitive basketball. And as fun as much madness is, it's nice to know if you have like a bad shooting night or something, it's not the end of the world. I'm still against best of seven series in the first round. They should go back to best of fives. Too many games of competitiveness for the players, and that's how some injuries happen. But I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm ready for it. And like you said, and it's like the players who haven't been showing up for the last month are really going to play now. So I feel like that's the, the part that matters the most. Yeah, the NBA season in general for me hasn't been as – some of it hasn't been as exciting just because of the style of play, just not being allowed to play defense as much. Um, but to see the Knicks get a legit first-round matchup, like an actual best-of-seven series, uh, they haven't had one in a while. And like I said, against Cleveland, which they could win, that's, that's kind of neat. It'll be fun to watch. And um, Yeah. I think in general for the Knicks, just I don't – I think next year they should try to move off of Randall just because I, I think they're not allowing some of these young guys to really play their and play to their potential. It yeah. seems like a, like a poor man's like prime Amari Stoudemire to me. I know. I feel like they've been trying to trade him for like three seasons now and they just won't pull the trigger on it. Yeah, Tommy T's in love with him. So. It's just a beast in the front they're court. Package deal. All right. All right, well, now the one and only March Madness, where all the Ben's bracket jokes have been just been funneling at Ben ever since game one when Arizona lost. Well, guess what, folks? This man actually has a chance to win our March Madness pool. 43 people lost his championship team in game number one. But we got four teams left. We're down to the final four. We got FAU, San Diego State, and Miami all making their first ever Final Four appearance, which is ridiculous. And then you got Ben's pick, UConn. Ben hasn't picked them to win at all, but he hasn't in the championship. And UConn's won four championships. So they have actually won more championships than the other three teams combined have been in the Final Four. It's kind of wild. Powerhouse UConn. Yeah, and, and also two of these teams, so UConn and FAU, Neither one of them had to play or one or the two this entire time, and they and they won't have to because they're all out. But that's just, wow. I mean, UConn, like they've they've bulldozed through everyone they've had. But FAU obviously had the 16 seed as a second round matchup, and then they ran into Kansas State, and UConn had the game against Gonzaga, obviously. So they each played a three seed, but neither one of them had to go through a one or the two to get to where they're at, mm. and they're not going to have to face one the entire tournament. That's crazy. Yeah, like we talked about last time, the spread on the seeds was so insane. It was basically one through, you know, 
double digits at that point. And now we're still with fours and fives and a nine with an FAU. And I like that. It's just not just people you would normally pick that are made it here. And I'm um, just rewarding the teams that got hot, played really good basketball, beat up a lot of good teams. Love to see Gonzaga just get dragged down and get basically held scoreless for multiple minutes in the second half. I mean, for anyone who wanted that to happen and then it finally happened in such a big spot, I mean, it was kind of relieving in a way. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking back of two weeks ago to last week, and you could just probably clip out a giant montage of reels of me on the show, trashing FAU, talking about how it's going to be an SEC finals, talking about Alabama's road to the finals being super easy, just all these takes. All I'm going to say is that I had terrible picks, and <laughs> here we are with a wild Final Four and definitely going to be an exciting finish. Yeah, and like Ryan said, I do have UConn in the championship and can win the bracket challenge. So for all the haters, just keep it on coming. I yeah, that was an unexpected turnaround. Yeah, yeah. A I turnaround, almost, almost like UConn's run. Yeah, I mean, I almost picked them to win, but I just thought that was too crazy at the time. So I didn't. I picked Arizona, which – but anyway yeah. – just this year, just first time there was no one seeds in the Elite Eight. And I just, I haven't, I don't remember any tournament that's been this crazy. Last year, you had like straight blue bloods in the final four. I think it was North Carolina, Kansas, Duke, and I don't know who the fourth one was, but it was like all blue bloods, teams you always see there. And then this year, you just have San Diego State, FAU, who we didn't even know like the name of the team at the beginning of the tournament. Yeah, you called it though. You said they were thirty-one and three. They're playing like their record yeah, shows. Yeah, the final four, not FAU though. I yeah, they're more of like a football school and not even like a real big one at that. Yeah, I was surprised to see Miami's never been to one. I know they're more of a football school as well, but they're just they're a big school down there. And I mean, yeah. said there's butter teams make their runs, but it was interesting to see Miami's never done that before. Yeah, I feel like they always get hyped up and then they just lay a brick, <laughs> like yeah, first or second round. They've had a good two-year stretch because last year they got to the Elite Eight as a 10 seed. And now this yeah. year as a five seed, they're in the final four. So pretty pretty good last two years for them. Yeah, and they took down the one seed Houston and the two seed Texas to get here. So they, they didn't have they didn't have no easy path. I mean Yeah, the teams that made it earned it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things I was reading, I read an article about some of these athletes, and I think one thing that is not talked about is the mental health of these athletes and the college guys. Betting has become such a huge part of all of these games, no matter if you do it or not. And these like kids, like these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids are just getting absolutely hammered with curse words death threats on social media after they you know foul or lose a game or like the guy from um the guy on the foul in the creighton game oh yeah like he got hammered like just guys them hard yeah and they're just getting hammered and i think colleges have to really look at that and how to help these basically young athletes who are put into these huge national spotlights from like you don't go to San Diego State thinking you're going to be on this televised game of you know millions of people so I just it was a pretty interesting article and I think it's something just to keep an eye on in the future as betting 
continues to increase. I mean, they just announced betting is going to be allowed. Going to be they're going to have betting kiosks in NFL stadiums this upcoming year, where people mm-hmm. put in parlays for the game at the game. So I think it, we all just need to. It's really really ingraining it into society. And it's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like it started with the fantasy football thing, and then now it's in the betting, and it's even worse because, like, you would have some money down on your fantasy team, but now with betting, I mean, you could drop like some people were putting on like you know ungodly amounts, like twenty five thousand, but like still like five hundred bucks on a team, and then they lose because of a foul. Yeah. Yeah, and I think betting's fun here and there, but it just it feels like it's becoming really entrenched in society, and like. I don't want to go to Disney World and have like have like betting stations for kids on whether like Mickey Mouse is going to be in red or black. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah, no. I agree. It's like yeah. a toxic thing right now. Yeah, it's that's a that's a big take. I mean, obviously with different thoughts and religious views and everything over things like gambling over the past, it's never been this much in society i guess i don't know if the word is like it's okay now but accessible is probably or like i guess you said like ingrained and yeah i mean sports to me it's exciting and it's fun to sometimes get stressed out and uptight but at the end of the day like like you have to understand it is just a game and in at the college level these are kids you know some of them are just doing this because they're good at basketball, but they're going to school to get an education and want like a, a life outside of sports, outside of college too. And so, I mean, it means a ton to them, I'm sure on the court, but like it might not mean as much as someone who puts 20K down on San- Creighton to beat San Diego State, which you probably never would have had money down on Creighton before that game because no one expected them to be there. Mm-hmm. So. You can't really get mad at them hard. And also his brother's in the NBA and their family's making millions. So Yeah, I know. And if he made a foul, then what do you think you would do? Like if you're cussing out this kid, like I know I probably would have fouled that guy even harder. Like <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna like beat up on a guy because I would have made a worse play. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not against betting or anything. I I like betting and betting on things and games, but it just I think there just needs to be some limit and we gotta watch it as you know self-monitor some of that stuff yeah yeah taking out on a person like someone else because you made a bad bet is like not not a good yeah, i don't like a way to go about it no i mean it's something to take in but but we still got two exciting games on saturday um you know uconn miami that's the game i'm most looking forward to i think that one's gonna be really good but then also san diego state fbu don't sleep on those players you got any predictions I'm not no. No, no bets. No bets. No, I no. no. No, I've been so <laughs> off. I'm I'm just gonna enjoy the games with a beer on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't know how to go with this. I'm gonna go for a UConn FAU matchup. That's what I'm that's what I'm looking at. I'm a little biased with the UConn pick. I mean you're a UConn fan. I am a UConn fan. Yeah. And they we were reading about UConn and Shabazz Napier, not Kemba Walker, what is the one with two UConn championships. Yeah. 2011 as a freshman and 2014 as a senior. But that 2011 team with Shabazz and Kemba is just, I mean, they have some 
sneaky raw talent at those schools and it i mean it's showing that's why i said james Booknight before he was the stud uconn guard that got drafted last year oh that's right yeah that's crazy your uconn players i hope shabazz if they make it to the title game i hope shabazz is a like honorary captain just so they can put up two-time national champ yeah yeah him and kemba kemba's not even in the league yeah oh yeah he's got time right now yeah (laughs) get him out there Drop some knowledge on these people. It's time to grab your smoking pipe and your bifocals because it's history with Ben. So this is the story of Walter Young. I really like this segment already. Walter Young holds the crown for the heaviest player in MLB history, weighing in at 320 pounds at six foot five. He was born in Mississippi in 1980, and he was a dominant two-sport athlete growing up. He committed to play defensive end for LSU in 1999. After he was drafted in the 31st round by the Pirates in 1999, he decided to give up his football career in favor of baseball. He went through the minor league system until 2004 when the Pirates unexpectedly released him after hitting 278 with 20 home runs in high A. The Orioles claimed him, and he went on to hit 33 home runs that next season in double A. In 2005, he was invited to spring training and in September made his major league debut. His only home run came off of R.A. Dickey in his third game, hitting an absolute moonshot. For the remainder of the season, he slashed 303, 378, 424, and 37 plate appearances. He was designated for assignment after the Orioles signed Russell Brandon and Rafael Palmero. He then went to San Diego but lost his job to Adrian Gonzalez. He then spent the next few years in the minors and independent ball before playing his last time in 2009. After he retired, he joined the Sheriff's Department in Forest County and then tragically passed away in 2015 at the age of 35 from a heart attack. His final career stat line was had a 303 average in just that one 2005 season. Walter Young. We'll pour one out for Walter Young. Yeah. No, first off, we pour one out for too many guys on the show. But second off, I have so many questions. First off, I never even knew there was a 300-pound MLB player. That just doesn't – anyone who says MLB, like, isn't a real sport, that doesn't help our argument, I feel like. But, but – he hit over 300. Like, why did he only play one year? He did. He just didn't look the part of a major leaguer. I think they they found some upgrades, and they didn't think he would do that long term. So, I mean, granted, it was tail end of the steroid era, so a lot of guys were still hitting for average and power. But, oh, my goodness, the fact that he hit a moonshot off of R.A. Dickey, you know it was just a fat number yeah. coming in there. He just crushed it. I want to see the video of that. that. Watch that home run. Go on YouTube and look that up. Dead I want to watch it. Like 430 feet. Oh. Oh. What, what's his name officially again? Walter Young. Does he have any baseball cards? I was literally going to ask if Ben has a Walter I Young baseball not. card. I do not. Does he have any? We'll have to add that to the podcast uh, cards. We'll have to get podcast that. remembrance cards. We're always yeah. about giving respect to former names and people who are flying under the radar. Yeah, yeah. So Del Crandall, we got the uh, next up, Walter Young. Yeah, Del Crandall and Walter Young, rip. Batted over three hundred in his in an MLB season. Obviously, not playing the full season, but that's just crazy to me. I mean, maybe it was just the wrong the wrong time. I feel like today, like. We had Pablo Sandoval like five years ago just doing work on the Giants. Like, True. Well, I hope he was a unit. Enjoyed 
that segment. It was a little interesting and just a, a guy that nobody remembers anymore. But for anyone who doesn't know, we do have an Instagram and our Instagram is after further review.pod. So look that up. But we did ask if there was any questions. If anyone had any questions they wanted us to talk about on the show or discuss. And our friend Matt um, asked if Joe Flacco was an elite quarterback. Didn't really ask, basically stated that he was an elite quarterback and told us to look at the QBRs from the 2012-2013 playoff. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable run. I don't even think he threw an interception that, that touched that uh, run. Or if he did, it was like two. Well, first off, if, if anyone's going to go out there and say Matt Ryan was ever elite, Joe Flacco is better oh, than yeah. Ryan. So there's that. Yeah, I will punch all those Matt Ryan sympathizers in the face. <laughs> Second off, I mean, Matt, he, he, he's a smart guy. He's your above average sports fan, and he knows his stuff, and he's convincing. So just, just knowing yeah. that he came out and said this, I believe it already. I mean, also, there was a time when my Wi-Fi network was named Joe Flacco was the lead. So this is something I fully and faithfully support. Unbelievable playoff run. I mean, he beat not only, I'm pretty sure Andrew Luck, his rookie year, then he had to go into Denver, play Peyton Manning with his noodle arm, beat them, then had to go into New England, beat Tom Brady, shut him out in the second half, then went into the Super Bowl, had to play Colin Kaepernick, who no one could stop at that point, stopped him, and then was Super Bowl MVP. Got a giant contract because he bet on all that self. So, I mean, yeah, easily. That's probably one of the most elite moves I've ever seen in a recent football career. Yeah, and he, like you said, he bet on himself. So that just proves he's clutch on top of everything else. And oh, yeah. some amazing road wins down the stretch to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, a crazy run. There you have it. Joe Flacco's elite. The only other quarterback who went on an actual touchdown interception run was Nick Foles and his like first run around with the Eagles. When he remember that stretch he had, he was like 28 and four or something like that. Like touchdown to interceptions. Basically he was like the same exact statistical line as Joe Flacco in that playoff run. Except oh wait, he won a Super Bowl too. So hey, I guess if you go on a strong like that, guaranteed Super Bowl. Joe Flacco and Nick Foles. Yeah. Maybe the only two to do it, to my knowledge, probably more, but. Yeah, so so shout out, Matt, for hitting up our Instagram with the questions. Anytime you got something, my guy, we appreciate the look. What else we got, Ben? We got anything else? Yeah, so my wife asked if we're going to have merch. Um, the answer to that is no, not at this point. We will. I, I, I want to. I want merch at some point, at least just oh, yeah. for me to wear. So we will have something at some point. Just that's more down the road, I think. Yeah. 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 No, I, we, we will. Um, the other thing she asked was, what is a Buckeye? And I don't really have the answer to that. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> like, a Buckeye? State mascot? Yeah. <laughs> oh, a Buckeye. I thought you said a butt guy, like a boober, <laughs> a butt guy. And I was like, uh. no, she asked what a Buckeye is. Like, Ohio. Oh, isn't that like a nut? From a tree, or is it a? It's in the nut family. No, I don't know if it's like an edible nut. I think it might just come from the tree. Maybe it's a tree. It's a plant. It's a plant. Oh, yeah, because they got the stickers on their helmets. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Chase, you were pretty darn close. Yeah, you were. I mean, it looks. It literally. I'm looking at them, and they look like nuts. Yeah, I mean that's just what their mascot looks like. Looks like a nut. 
<laughs> or like a little dog treat if you're like not sure what flavor but it's just two different colors yeah there's a big on the one picture just says do not eat me so i don't think they're supposed to be edible oh yeah guys look poisonous <laughs> yeah they do they probably are Any, anything else ben no that was it for this week but i just uh, i put that up a few hours before the podcast but we'll put that up a little bit sooner in the week uh for next week and yeah ask us anything you want want us to talk about something want us to do a deep dive into some random athlete yeah some weird 2003 season in the nfl or the nba yeah listeners again what was what was the instagram handle so it's after further review after underscore further underscore and then review dot pod sweet same logo we got on the show give us a follow shout out to all you guys all right. Well, also, if no one has anything else, we appreciate everyone out there listening. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay, we're just gonna call this out. Hold on. I said shout out to you guys, and then you like pointed like I should close the show. No, I just I didn't know. I have one more trivia, but I'm gonna... okay. Oh yeah. Well, all right. Well, after the shout out to you guys, I called anyway. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So you can go right. when I said the shout out to you guys, and now you can go. So. I have two trivia, but they're both quick. Okay, well, no one else has anything. All right, guys, so we're going to end the show with some trivia here. A um, couple baseball trivia, as usual, right before the uh, start of opening day. So this one, there's only been one player with a season of 40 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 30 doubles, and 100 walks in the same season. Who's that player? Ever? Ever. It's a, it's a more modern player. Mm. Can you go over the stat line again? 40 homers, 30 stolen bases, 30 doubles, 100 walks. It's a 1985 and newer player who is in the Hall of Fame. Um, Chase, the home run to stolen base ratio is messing with me. Yeah. Some power and some speed. Can we get a team? Astros. Astros. Oh, okay. Well, Maybe. Go, I don't know if he ever hit 40 home runs in a season, but I'm going to go Altuve. Okay. Um, wow, I'm really struggling with this. That's our form. Um, uh, did Beltron play for the Astros? He did. I'm going to pick him. The answer is Jeff Bagwell. Damn it. That was another. It's weird because you don't think he would steal 30 bases. Yeah. Ever. Well, they're just walking from him the second because no one's going to throw the ball at him. Or did he actually have speed? He, this was earlier in his career. So he had some speed, but he was oh, yeah. a real stolen base guy. When the maybe steroids were flowing. Yeah. Oh, he was definitely a maybe steroid guy. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> he was a little juicy there. He was a little juicy. Um, but last trivia here. So, in 2016, Astros traded Josh Fields to the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Um, Fields had a good season, but is remembered for serving up back-to-back home runs in the leadoff game. Leadoff of game two in the World Series. So, who was the player that the Astros got in return of that 2016 trade? Jordan Alvarez. That is correct. 
Man, Chase, you know your your baseball acquisitions. I mean, that one's just been really hyped up a lot over yeah, like I, this last offseason. Yeah. I always see it and then it goes away and then I see it again. And it's just like, I always forget yeah. it was originally like a young, like international prospect basically on the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, there's been a few of those though the Fernando Tatis and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the White Sox thing. And, um, I mean, Wheeler was kind of like a like surprise deal thing for a vet. Oh, for Beltran. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got Belt or we trade away an old Beltron for Wheeler. Yeah, that was kind of like a surprising move. And I mean Rosario and Jimenez for Lindor. Lindor, I mean, yeah. Jimenez for my dad, by the way, he, he was really upset, Jimenez. Yeah. He, he just signed that contract star. today. Hundred million, yeah. Seven years, a hundred million, I think. Good for him. Get so he's getting back. paid, and Rosario is probably going to get paid too. I think he's a free agent at the end of the year, or maybe next year. Yeah, he'll get a decent little contract. Yeah, there's been a couple of those like weird one-off. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the show, Zach Allen and Chisholm. I mean, that was prospect for prospect, but I know Cruz. I think he was. Um, I forget what his trade was with the Dodgers because he was originally from the Dodgers to the Pirates. I know he started, he was a Dodgers like international prospect and then they made a trade with the Pirates, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I can't think of what the Pirates had that the Dodgers wanted. Then the Dodgers, if they had kept some of these guys with the, they're already like 115 wins. Yeah. They're literally what the Pirates did. Like, like what we were saying, like the late teens Pirates, if they just would have held on for like two seasons, they probably have like a 95 win team. They have like, like four starters. Instead, they can just hold their heads up above the A's. Yeah. Yeah. The Dodgers, like, that's unbelievable. Like, they just gave away a lot to sign people to giant contracts when they could just have a normal team that's loaded, essentially, with young, controllable guys. You two have just been off the wall about MLB, which is starting here soon in the past couple of weeks. But I'm going to cut you off before the rabbit hole goes too deep this time. <laughs> But no, Ben, we always appreciate the trivia. Chase, once again, with the money answer of the Jordan <laughs> Alvarez. So he's destroying me in these questions. I feel like I don't even want to know what my record is, but I feel like I'm like six and a half games back <laughs> somehow. But no, I wanted to just quick give a quick shout out to all the listeners for consistently listening. You know, we're on episode eight now. And we've got some day ones. I mean, it's only been eight weeks, but we're consistently doing it and you're consistently listening. Shout out to Matt and Julia for reaching out, asking us questions. You know, our parents, um, close friends for always supporting us and pushing us to keep doing this. But um, yeah, overall, great show. Super pumped. We got a big weekend, MLB opening weekend. And the final four with Ben's Huskies going at it with the Hurricanes. So it should be a fun one. But, yeah, your boys, Rye Bread, Chizzy Chase, and they call him Dave Ben. Peace, Episode 8. Give us a follow.